This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to recap day number three of the NFL draft and all the latest news with the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, not quite as eventful today, but still some interesting stuff going on. You know, thank God it's not quite as eventful, and thank, <laughs> and thank God this is over. I, I, I love the draft. I look so much forward to it, but by the end of it, oh, man, am I happy it's over. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. It's weird because I remember back in the good old days when the draft was just Saturday and Sunday, but now I guess for the purposes of ratings, they spread it out over the course of three days and it just gets to be a little bit ridiculous. Just finish it in two days the way that they used to. That's how I would do it. And that way it's more fun too because you feel like you're getting everything in in two days and it becomes more of a short event. The longer you spread it out, the less special it feels to me. But the Jets did make some picks today. Yesterday, most Jets fans pretty happy with the Jets picks in Ja'Kai Polite from Florida and Chuma Erdoga, the offensive tackle from USC. Today, eh, different story, and we're going to get into it. To start the fourth round, the guy who everybody was thinking about for the Jets and probably for just about every team that was on the board within reasonable range of that first pick was Akeem Butler, the wide receiver from Iowa State. We talked about him last night, Chris. Big-bodied guy who can make some plays. Could be a red zone threat. Well, he's going to be a red zone threat, all right, but it's going to be for Kyler Murray, not for Sam Darnold because he ended up going with that first pick. So at that point... Mike McCagnin trades out of their spot with the third pick in that round. Now, I personally would have liked for them to stay where they were and take Drew Samia, the guard out of Oklahoma, because I think that he's somebody that has the potential to be a starting guard in 2020. And as we talked about yesterday, Chris, the two tackles are unrestricted free agents, and both Winters and Assemble only have one year left on their deal each, and both of them have zero dead money That would count against the cap. So you could theoretically move on from either one of them. I would think more likely winters, but who knows if you were confident enough 
in Samia being the starter, which I think he theoretically could be. And then obviously with Adoga, similar situation where he could potentially replace Beecham or Shell. Instead, they don't take him. They trade down, pick up an extra fifth round pick. And then they ended up losing out on Samia, who went a pick or two before them. And they ended up making a weird trade down, which we're going to talk about in a second. I'm going to turn it over to you, Chris. They ended up moving down five spots in the fourth round in order to move up ten spots in the fifth, which struck me as kind of strange. They ended up picking finally at number 121 overall. They pick Trayvon Wesco, the tight end out of West Virginia. He's a guy that's known primarily as a blocker, can catch a little bit, sort of a fullback tight end hybrid role. This could be somebody that sort of replaces Tommy Bohannon, who never was really replaced, and also replaces Eric Tomlinson. Certainly a need, and they were definitely looking to add somebody like this. I'm not going to sit here and go chapter and verse as if I sat here and watched all of his film. I did as much research as I could on him, watched as much as I could possibly find, which wasn't a ton. I will say that I spoke to Connie Carberg, whose opinion I respect immensely, and why wouldn't I? She was a professional scout. She really liked the pick of Wesco and says that she thinks that he can be a really strong blocker for them. So that's fine. I think there were other directions they maybe could have gone, but whatever. I'm fine with a guy that they think could be useful in that role. After that, it really started to get kind of weird. Blake Cashman from Minnesota, the linebacker, goes number 157 overall with that fifth round pick that they ended up picking up. The thing about Cashman that's really strange, Chris, is that this dude's had three surgeries on his shoulder. He's 23 years old. A lot of people think he's kind of limited. He's going to be a special teamer. Seems like an odd guy to pick at that spot when there were some other guys that they maybe could have gotten with more athletic upside that were younger. Again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know a ton about him from a film perspective. I dug up a little bit, but it's not like I sat here and watched a ton of Minnesota tape throughout the season. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I did. I researched him and I went and watched as much as I could once they picked him. Chris, I think this is going to be a pattern and kind of a joke. It goes along the lines of what you tweeted. Okay, I'm now going to start tweeting out guys that actually know who this guy is. And that was what I texted to you. I said, hey, I just heard of this guy 10 minutes ago, AMA. Yes. And then you go to the sixth round and they pick Blessing Austin. And here's a guy that I actually know a little bit about. And the main reason is because... My friend Jason Love used to cover Rutgers football, so he knows Rutgers really well. And by the way, you should be following Jason on Twitter if you're not. He's at JasonL56. Very knowledgeable sports fan on all sports, especially baseball. This dude knows the Mets better than most people know anything, but he knows plenty about football, especially Rutgers. So I was really glad that he was able to offer me some insight. I texted him and asked him if he knew anything about him, and he said, yeah, I actually interviewed this guy a couple of years ago. He said, if healthy, this dude could be pretty good. A lot of talent, good cover guy, physical, big kid but had a ton of injuries, so it's a major gamble. And he was able to send me a link to his interview, and I'm going to probably tweet out a link to this a little bit later on. So if you want to know more about Blessing Austin, you can check out this interview that Jason did with Blessing Austin. It's really, really good. It's interesting that he had to deal with adversity because he had a really low SAT score, so he had trouble getting into any college. Ended up having to go to a prep school, so right there, he had to fight tooth and nail to get to where he was, eventually earned his way to Rutgers, 
And he's been very grateful for the second chance, realizing that he had to work so hard to get it. And he kept that work ethic, always being one of the hardest workers out there, despite his obvious physical gifts. He knew that he was given a gift, a second chance, and he didn't want to waste it. Six foot one, 200 pounds. He's a pretty big kid. And he was asked by Jason, who he patterns his game after, one of the names that he prominently mentioned was Richard Sherman, also mentioned Joe Hayden, Patrick Peterson, said that his idol growing up was Charles Woodson. But funny enough, and remember, this is in 2015, so it's not like he was trying to pander to the local crowd at this point. He said one guy that he really admired, especially for his tenacity on the field, was Morris Claiborne, who at the time was in Dallas, eventually would come to the Jets. And as we're going to talk about a little bit later on, Chris, Claiborne could potentially be teammates with Bless and Austin. So an intriguing guy, but a lot of medical issues. I reached out to Dr. Steven Stoller, 35-year orthopedic surgeon, who's going to come on the program and go through all the prospects that the Jets drafted as far as their medical histories go. But he is definitely very concerned about the majority of the guys that the Jets picked here on day three. A lot of them have medical issues. They're all older. All of them are 23 and over. So the joke was that Mac got control of the draft room again. And we'll talk about that weird vision of him in the draft room, too, a little bit later when we get into the presser. But yeah, Chris, again, I'm not going to act like I'm an expert on these guys. It just seems real weird, the pattern that they went with here. They had a chance to draft some guys with some athletic upside that were younger. In the end, they did what we make fun of Mike McCagnon for doing all the time. He picked high-character, older, low-ceiling guys. That's not typically the way that you build winning teams in the NFL, let's be honest. So a lot of people were disappointed. I think Travis Wesco is a guy that might be able to contribute right away. The rest of those guys, I don't know what you're going to get out of them. Blessing Austin, I guess in a sense, is a bit of a swing because we do know that he's a big kid with some athletic ability if he stays healthy, but that medical history is really concerning. I don't know, Chris. I was pretty sky high with optimism after days one and two. Day three, not so much. Yeah, it's completely understandable. Days one and two looked good. You know, obviously the day two picks were gambles, but those are the type of gambles you want to take. Uh, they have a high upside that you could potentially get round one talent in Ja'Kai Polite and, uh, you know, a late uh, or probably a second round talent in Adoba. Um, I did the B thing again. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but today... Today was not. Today was classic Mac, uh, repeating the same mistakes he has made in his draft every year he's been here. And there's always a Dylan Donahue. There's always an Ardarius Stewart. It, there's and those guys never end up sticking around for one reason or another. Uh, but he's always making those picks, and here we are again. I'm going to start with the trades. The first trade they made, I was like, okay, cool, makes sense. You pick up a fifth round pick. You didn't have one. Cool. Makes sense. That second trade, though, that second trade made no sense. So you're going to drop down in the, the fourth round to move up, to swap picks again just to move up in the fifth round? The fourth round is the one of higher value where you assume you're going to get the better player. So you drop down there to move up in the lower round. That's it's super confusing. It doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, you do that if you're gaining a pick, but they had the same amount of picks. They didn't get an extra pick. It, it was super weird. We were talking about this before. It felt like they might have just not known who to pick, and so they were uh, trying to buy some time. 
but that seems weird. How can you do that? Well, at that point, just go look at your board and just take best player available there. And, you know, of course, people are saying, you know, why you not get a center? There was three centers in this draft that people thought could come in and start day one. There was a bunch of people that people that, uh, you know, players that people thought, you know, whether it's Connor McGovern or Michael Jordan from Ohio State, people thought, hey, you could take them, they're guards, you could take them, move them to center. But that's a that's a tougher ask than people want to think. To convert a guard from center coming out of college, chances of them being able to, to go and start day one are unlikely. So just go for the best player available in that spot. I know a lot of people weren't big fans of the Wesco pick, and this is going to be a theme for all these picks for me. I, I don't know anything about any of these guys. I didn't watch any tape on them. And I know every time I was tweeting about a, what, a possible pick, I had a whole bunch of people in my mentions repeating the same two or three names to me. And I was, you know, I could look at draft guides too. I could have gathered all this information <laughs> before. But, you know, I've done that before through the drafts. And it's just not worth the time and effort because you study all this stuff. You learn all this information about hundreds of kids and this and that. And then I just focus on the three people that they draft. So it's kind of a waste of time. I don't like to get too bogged down in that. Once we're talking about the draft picks, I like to give my own impression first and then bring in and go back to the scouts that I trust and rely on and combine them there. And so that's what I'm going to do with all these these three picks and the undrafted free agents. Over these next couple of days, I'm going to look at all the tape I can find on them, and then I'm going to go gather information from the scouts I trust, and I'm going to combine them. I'm going to put out articles all next week about them. So, But the Wesco kid, I, you know, I saw the pick, and I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever, I, you know. Uh, I, I didn't even realize what blocking tight end, but then all of a sudden I saw all types of people that I know and trust talking about what a great blocker he is, um, how good he will be, how high hopes they have for him in that role. Blocking tight end is a need. So I don't know if there was, you know, you had a, the guy from Oklahoma said there was, a, I, I don't know much about that. So they could have obviously gone for that, that, but that tight end, blocking tight end is a position of need. Eric Tomlinson was supposed to be that guy for a couple of years. He's not actually a good blocker, though. I don't know how long it's going to take for most people to, to understand this, but he's not actually a good blocker. And then the Blake Cashman pick. So in the fifth round, to take a guy who's just basically a special teamer, um, you know, he's an undersized guy. He's had three different soldier surgeries. That's a lot. And then a blessing, a whole bunch of injury issues there. Again, they're all 23 years old. It's fine. Like, you know, take one of them at 23, Wesco at 23. Okay, cool. But I don't understand this. And I was talking to you about this before we recorded. Every year they come out and they go through the draft. And every year somebody points out, hey, only about 30% of the underclassmen are drafted every year. And all anybody wants to focus on is that they made a mistake coming out. But they always say they made a mistake coming out because if they stayed one more year, they probably could have been a second or third round pick. Well, if people see that type of potential in them, why aren't you trying to take spend one of your sixth or seventh round picks and just be willing to the, to sit them in, on the practice squad for a year and develop them? 
Why aren't you willing to do that instead of going for these 23, 24 year old guys who don't who have extremely low ceilings and probably aren't going to actually be able to be impact players on your team? It doesn't make sense, but he keeps going for these guys. He keeps going for the Dylan Donahue's of the world. He keeps going for them, and it doesn't make sense to me. It, it's it's, and then I know a lot of people sit here and say, and they're correct in saying this, that, you know, oh, a fifth-round pick, sixth-round pick, the chances of one of those guys hitting is small. That is correct. That is a factually correct statement. But the key is you want to try to maximize the possibility of hitting on one of those picks. It's a small chance, so you want to make it as big of a chance as possible and you want to go ahead and do that the good teams hit on a couple of those picks not every year but they hit on one every other year they hit on two every other year or every three years they hit on two of them that's what you have to do you have to hit on those picks eventually you know back has you know he has robbie anderson as the undrafted free agent but then otherwise his best draft finds were Herndon and, and Shell, which were good finds, especially Herndon, but that's in the fourth round. He doesn't have fifth, sixth, seventh round finds, and it's because he keeps going to these older guys that are what they are. They're not going to get any better, and they focus on the high character, hardworking guy, and that's great. Of course you want that, but not to the detriment of actual talent and ability on the field. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't this I I haven't watched this Blake Cashman guy and I did see somebody tweeted something out that like he has like a missed tackle rate of zero point zero in college. Impressive. That's that's impressive. I will look at the tape and see, but that is super impressive. But undersized guy three soldier surgeries uh yeah i'm I'm, i don't know about rolling the dice on that it's there's just too many things that don't make sense and again he's made this mistake year after year i i i had high hopes that maybe he learned his lessons after the first two days of this draft it seems like he might have and then he goes and he reverts right back to his old ways and you know, I, I think Wesco will be able to play right from the jump, probably, if he's as good as blocker as everybody seems to think he is. The other three guys, yeah, I don't know, man. And it's just the same thing over and over with them. And I know there's going to be a section, a segment of the fan base that's going to be, be mad that I'm saying this and feel like I'm just attacking Mac and I have something out against Mac. I'm I'm always willing to give Matt credit where he gets where he deserves, and I thought the first two days of the draft he deserved credit. This day is not a day to give him any credit, though. Today was a bad day, in my opinion. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the off season, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
think he got a little too cute with that fourth round pick. He should have just stayed where he was and taken Drew Samia. He probably was hoping Butler would follow him, and when he didn't, he traded down thinking that there were a couple of guys that he could have picked from in the other spot. And then it seemed like all of those guys were probably gone, and they didn't know what to do, so they traded out to buy themselves more time and ended up picking Wesco. I will say if Connie is on board with it, I'm fine with it. They certainly need somebody with his skill set. I don't know that I have super high expectations for him. And like I said, I think that they could have done better in the fourth round than to get a blocking tight end. They could have potentially had a guy that could be a starting guard in 2020. But at least, as you said, Chris, Wesco can probably do something for them, at least to a limited degree in 2019. The rest of these guys, I don't know. Only time will tell. As you said, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm some sort of expert on them. I watched as much as I could, and I read as much as I could. But as far as their medical histories, that's absolutely concerning, no matter how much tape or how much information you were able to absorb about these guys. They also did pick up a bunch of undrafted free agents. Wide receiver Greg Dortch from Wake Forest. Linebacker Jamie Mosley from Alabama. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should. It's because C.J. Mosley's brother. John Battle, the safety from LSU. Kyron Brown, the defensive back from Akron. Offensive tackle Wyatt Miller from UCF. Running back Jalen Moore from Appalachian State. Defensive tackle Trayvon Sanders from Troy. Safety Santos Ramirez from Arkansas. Defensive tackle Fred Jones from Florida State. Mike Stout, the defensive tackle from Appalachian State. And defensive end Kyle Phillips from Tennessee. So that's where the Jets stand with the undrafted free agents. You can read about these guys. I haven't seen enough of them to give any kind of intelligent opinion about them. Although I will say that it's kind of interesting that C.J. Mosley's brother is going to come in as an undrafted free agent. Imagine if he actually makes the team and they have both Mosley brothers. I feel like that could be a sitcom, Chris. Yeah, it's, it sounds like, uh, you know, like a... Uh... A Motown singing group or something <laughs> sounds close, very close to the Isley brothers. Uh, but yeah, uh, same thing with these guys. I don't know anything about these guys either, and I'm I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I'm not going to fake the funk. I'm, not, uh, I'm very transparent here. If I if I've seen a guy and I have opinions on him, you're going to get him. If I don't, I'm a back off. I'm a I'm a retweet other people. I'm going to say what other people say, but mostly, like I said, I'm going to wait until I have a time to time to take a look at them myself um i i know a lot of people were excited about the greg dorch pick he's a smaller but speedy receiver play the slot but he's also got supposedly got a some really good uh punt return abilities so that's that's a good thing for the jets that's something that they need the rest of these guys you know the jamie mosey thing such a cool story i saw the instagram post that cj put out of his brother getting the call and saying, you know, I'm going to be joining Big Bang with the Jets, so that's cool. John John Battle linking up with uh, Jamal Adams again, cool little story there. But you know, I don't know anything about the rest of these guys. I, I will by next week. I'll be able to give you more on them. But again, they, you know, they're undrafted free agents. Every once in a while, you'll get a. Uh, you know, a Robbie Anderson that hits. You'll get a Damon Harrison that hits. You might get a Doug Middleton who keeps making the roster even though he keeps getting injured, but he plays so well in training camp, he he has to keep earning the roster spot. 
You might get a Jalen Jalen Marshall who makes the team the first year, but then ends up getting cut the next year. That's that's more likely. And then even more likely, most this is the chance, the only chance these guys get. They end up getting cut and then never getting another chance again. Maybe picked up or next year for a camp body or something. But I will look into them there. But they they got some areas there. It's you know, they went with safeties. They got some more, a, two D tackles, a DN, a couple different linebackers. Uh, you know, they, they didn't really go heavy on need there, which I'm fine with again because you don't want to force needs, especially. You obviously don't want to do that in the first round. Second and third round, I think you can kind of play with that around with that a little bit because. There's going to be you're probably going to get a quality player, maybe not the best guy on the board, but he's still going to be starting caliber player. When you're in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, just take the best player available every single time. Again, you want to maximize your chances of hitting, and you do that by ignoring need and just taking the best player. And the same can be said for undrafted free agency. So I'm going to hold off on giving my opinion on these guys until I have time to look at them myself. But, you know, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you any of these guys are great or any of them are bad. But they got a bunch of guys, so it's a bunch of work for me to look forward to in the next couple of days. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I'm not going to go pick by pick with everything from rounds four through seven like we did the last two days. I'm just going to hit some of the highlights here. But to illustrate your point, Chris, there were a couple of guys that the Jets could have had and instead traded down and didn't get them. Guys that could have been meaningful players for them right off of the bat. And one of them is right along the lines of what you're talking about. And he's the player that New Orleans jumped up with the Jets to get. That's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the safety from Florida, who is a teammate of Ja'Kai Polite's. Yes, the Jets don't technically need a safety that badly, but remember, Marcus May has been hurt quite a bit. He's got two years left on his deal, plus this is a passing league. You can always use an extra safety. They don't really have a whole lot of depth on the roster at safety anyway, and this is a guy that has potential to come in and play meaningful downs right away. The idea that he was there in the fourth round was intriguing to me, even though the Jets, like you said, Chris, had much bigger needs than safety. Thought he was one of the best players on the board. They could have had him there, and they didn't. Some other guys they could have had that had dropped down the board. Julian Love went to the Giants. Three picks after the Jets traded down. We know that they actually do have a need at corner, and this is a guy that showed that he could really play at Notre Dame. Obviously, there were medical concerns, but at that point in the fourth round, might have been worth it because with the quality of play that he showed, at Notre Dame. He's a guy that could have had a chance to compete for the starting corner job opposite Tremaine Johnson. Riley Ridley, the younger brother of Calvin Ridley, he went after the Jets picked, after they traded down, which is kind of crazy, at 126 overall. So that's a guy that Jets really could have considered as an extra weapon for Sam Darnold. Instead, they went with the blocking tight end Travis Wesco, which may end up being a better pick, but still an interesting one. 
Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback from Auburn, ended up going to the Patriots in the fourth round. So maybe he's the next guy that they try and develop and turn into that heir apparent to Tom Brady. Or maybe he ends up being the next Jimmy G and they just ship him out for a second round draft pick. Deontay Thompson, the safety from Alabama, ended up going in the fifth round. Mac Wilson, another player from Alabama, the linebacker, he ended up going in the fifth round. Trace McSorley, the cornerback from Penn State, that was a guy that people said the Jets kind of liked, that if they kept their seventh rounder, they thought the Jets might have tried to draft him and convert him to another position. He ends up going to the Baltimore Ravens. And Chandler Cox, the fullback from Auburn, ends up going in the seventh round. It's interesting when teams pick fullbacks because so many teams don't even use fullbacks anymore. So those are some of the highlights from day number three, above and beyond what the Jets did. But as far as what the Jets did beyond just draft picks, Darren Lee is a guy that everybody expected the Jets to move. I even said going into the day that it would be interesting if the Jets use Lee and their sixth round pick to move back up and get an extra fourth rounder. They didn't do that and they didn't move Lee at all. Chris, do you think that that means that they're going to hang on to Darren Lee for the time being, maybe bring him into training camp, see if he can do some things in training camp in the preseason, hope that he looks good and then maybe look to trade him at that point? I sure would. Uh, whether they do or not, but at this point, why not? What are you, what are you doing? Uh, you didn't get anything of value for him unless you can pull off, uh, you know, just a straight up player swap with somebody for some, you know, you can get a, a center for him or, you know, a guard or something or, or cornerback something. If you can do that, then sure. But if you can't get anything for him, then why, why cut him? It doesn't make sense at this point. I know they're, they got a bunch of linebackers now. It, it's a crowded area there, but he—it's you know—he hasn't been great. He hasn't been worth that first-round selection. But he's—he's he's made some plays here and there. He's hasn't been so terrible that you just need him off the roster. I get that there's a, a, why some fans are want him gone and are tired of rooting for him. A large part of that is his Twitter activity. But, you know, he still has some potential on the field. See, wait and see how Greg Williams can use him. Maybe he can use him in some different ways. I just don't see the, the point in cutting him at this point. If you can get something of some type of value back, then I'm with it. But I, I wouldn't just cut him just to get rid of him at this point. He, you know, they're not going to pick up the fifth-year option on him. So go ahead, just let this season play out. See if you can use him however you can use him. Maybe he'll come in with a chip on his shoulder with something to prove this year. Maybe that'll ignite something in him. Uh, I don't know. But, you know, he's not so bad that you just want to get rid of him. The Jets, there's not enough talent on this roster to just be cutting players that are even that good this is the overtime podcast network one possibility that i think could be interesting and this is not anything i have any information on it's just me thinking out loud minnesota has been shopping trey waynes the cornerback for minnesota i know that he's been up and down there but when he is in man coverage he tends to do pretty well which would be a good fit with the greg williams defense he's got one year left on his deal at i think around nine million dollars so it would be a nice cap savings for minnesota i'm not saying it would be an even swap but if you could give up darren lee and maybe some sort of pick in the 2020 draft it might be worth it because waynes is still young he could come in start right away across from tremaine 
Jermaine Johnson. And if he does well, you might be able to keep him on a long-term deal. So that's something that I might keep in mind if the opportunity were to arise. But it may turn out that they may not need Trey Waynes to start because an old friend could possibly be on his way back. The door isn't all the way closed on the possibility of Morris Claiborne coming back to the Jets in 2019. No, um, McCagnan was asked about this after uh, the you know the draft had ended. Asked if uh, you know they didn't upgrade center. Uh, I mean, they didn't upgrade center either. But uh, we're we're both really tired. It's been a long few days. <laughs> uh, but they didn't upgrade. They didn't pick up a, a cornerback. So you know, obviously, they didn't upgrade there. They they got the blessing there, but the injury issues is not somebody you can count on to come in and start, uh, obviously year one. Uh, so they, they were, they asked him, you know, is Morris Claiborne a possibility to bring back And McCagnan said, yeah, though, that's something they will consider. And at this point, why wouldn't you, it makes no sense not to, if I'm Morris Claiborne, I'm probably going to wait, you know, skip the first couple of weeks of training camp, wait and make that decision. But, uh, go ahead, bring him back in. It's not going to be too much. You can probably sign him on a one-year deal for like $2 million, something like that. It's not going to be expensive. But he's he's not a great cornerback anymore. He had a really start to this, good start to the season last year and then kind of tailed off from there. He obviously has some injury concerns too. But bring him in. Let him start opposite Jermaine Johnson and put Daryl Roberts back to the bench and be a, a, a small t- or a role player there, come in, substitute packages, or then come fill in for uh, more Claiborne if he gets hurt or if he just plays bad. But bringing him back in gives you some more options. And then maybe, again, with the additions up front, with this d- defensive front improved with more uh, pass rush this year, and his job won't be so hard this year. And now, of course, that could help out Trumaine Johnson, too, as well. And it would be harder for them to get exposed when the quarterback's not getting nearly as much time. So it just makes too much sense at this point to bring him back. I know Jets fans really wanted to try to upgrade there. That's why trading out of that pick and missing out on Julian Love is huge. You know, uh, that's somebody I watch very closely. I watch Notre Dame very closely. Uh, so that's... That's somebody I like, and uh, it would have been a really good pick. But at this point, obviously, there will be training camp cuts, so maybe maybe somebody shakes loose. I can't see them trying to trade for Chris Harris Jr. If he was to get cut, that would be, that would work out. He's definitely still a good player, though he's up, up in age, and he's had some injury concerns too. But he's definitely a much better player than Morris Claiborne at this point. But I can't see them giving up enough draft draft capital to move up and do that so at this point it seems most likely just bring back Morris Claiborne I also feel like I'm saying at this point way too much (laughs) at this point you've said at this point a few times more than at this point you probably should have said it yeah at this point again I'm really tired (laughs) I'll say this about Claiborne I don't think he's anything special. He's probably about an average starting corner, but that's better than anything they have. And if they have to bring him back for a hold the fort type of season, that's fine. He's at least better than Daryl Roberts, and then Daryl Roberts can become cornerback depth, which is really what he should be. And I would assume that Morris Claiborne wouldn't cost much right now. So it could be a pretty solid move for the Jets, even if it's not the most exciting one. So Chris, that was basically the highlight of the press conference that Mike McCagnin gave 
He didn't really say anything else that was noteworthy, so we'll just skip the rest of it. But the Morris Claiborne bit was definitely interesting, and we'll see where the Jets go from here. They've signed a bunch of undrafted free agents already, Chris, but you know how these things go. A bunch of them will get cut, then they'll sign different guys, and it'll be a mix and match for a while. So we'll have to monitor this situation. It'll keep you on your toes for the next couple days as we see which undrafted free agents come and go, right? Yeah, absolutely. There'll there'll be some rotating there, but you know, I th- I think they were a good uh fit under the 90 uh player roster that they have to have for mini camps and start of training camp. So, they'll probably these guys will probably be in for all mini camps and at least to start a, uh there. So, we'll get a chance to see them a little bit in the and you know, they they don't do they're not doing the rookie camp right after the draft like they've been doing for years past they're just going to have like a rookie orientation and sometime in may and we're not going to be there we'll come in and we just talk to the players for a little bit to get to know them i guess but we're not going to have practices there so it's going to be a little bit longer before we get to see these players and talk to them you know they didn't make them available to us this was the first year that we didn't get the the first round pick made available to the reporters the day after the draft. So there's some changes and some weirdness going on around with what they're doing there. But eventually we'll get a good look at all these undrafted free agents, the guys they bring in, uh, you know, on the field with NFL players. Fun weekend for you, Chris. You got to cover the NFL draft. You got to see the new Avengers movie. You got to have half of Twitter come at you with their knives and forks after you talked about what you heard from your sources regarding the rumors about Adam Gase and Mike McCagnin. I will say, by the way, for a team that's looking to avoid bad optics involving the McCagnin-Gase thing, it was a really weird visual to see on camera Mike McCagnin by himself in the war room reading a book. I don't even know what to make of that. <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen a picture of just one person in the war room before. I'm not I am not gonna say that this means anything. It could be a totally fluky, understandable reason. But man is that weird and, and bad timing. Unless they're trolling all of us, they did it on purpose. I have never seen that. I think I, I, I would remember that. That's a weird visual to see. <laughs> Definitely one of the stranger things that I remember seeing on draft day as far as people in the draft room because usually it's loaded with people and sometimes you even get weird scenes like DK Metcalf walking in with no shirt on and then Pete Carroll deciding to match it by taking his shirt off and by the way I guess Pete Carroll's been playing a lot of basketball because he looks like he's in pretty good shape for his age. But every time you think you've seen everything with these war rooms and it's all the same, Mike McCagnin proves you wrong because that was one of the strangest things that I've ever seen for sure. We'll have to monitor this situation and see if it's just one of those weird coincidences or if it is indicative of something deeper. Hopefully it isn't, but we're going to find out as we get ready for the rookie orientations, which will be the next thing on the docket. Chris, I'm sure we will talk at some point once you get a chance to meet with those players and get a better sense of them. In the meantime, though, for anybody who wants to check out some great draft coverage, of course, you can go to turnonthejets.com, but also you can go to jetsinsider.com and read Chris and Alan Schechter. Chris, everybody wants to get a glimpse of your very big deal work and interact with a very big deal on social media. So why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can do that. Yeah, you can find the articles up at jetsandsarah.com. We got articles on all the guys that were drafted. I got the free agent tracker right now. I'm not getting into, you know, I just 
put the names, the position, and where they went to school. Because, like, again, like I said, I, I'm going to wait until I have enough information to make my own opinion to give you on it. But I will have that, uh, you know, I'm going to spend tomorrow, Monday, looking at tape, and then I'll put that out throughout the week. And then you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Do most of the tweeting from the at CNimbly handle. So if you want to come and ask me questions, you want to tell me how awful my sources are, come right ahead. I'm, I'm here. I'm with it. And if you want to ask us questions, you can get it into the mailbag because we're going yes. to be doing a mega mailbag starting tomorrow. So if you have questions, tweet them at Chris at C Nimbly, tweet them at me at play like a jet one, or even if you just have something funny that you want us to say on the podcast or an interesting question that you think is off the beaten track, go ahead and send it and we will make sure to discuss it on the podcast when we get into the mailbag. Chris, looking forward to doing some mailbag questions with you tomorrow. In the meantime, go to Jets and Insider.com, follow Chris on Twitter, and for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com.